0: She grew up in one of the most closed-off, isolated, least understood segments of American population, Amish. She was sexually abused for years, then raped multiple times as a teenager. She's here to talk about that, her recovery, her book, and life afterwards. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. download our free app one of our most hard-hitting gripping and emotional episodes retired police officer stacy west tells a story of when she was shot almost killed and her amazing life after the law enforcement today radio show is also available as a podcast you can listen anytime you want from anywhere you want on your smartphone computer or wireless speaker devices for free Check out the podcast episode with Stacy West, Season 1, Episode 10. Go to letradioshow.com or search for Law Enforcement Today Podcast. Callings from Minnesota. We have Lizzie Hirschberger on the phone. Lizzie, been through a lot, does a lot of inspiring things. I met Lizzie on the Clubhouse Drop-In Audio Chat app, by the way. If you're not on it, you should check it out. It's pretty cool. And when you do, look for me, John, the middle initial J., Last name Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, or do a search for at L-E-T Radio Show. Lizzie, thanks so much for being guest on the law enforcement of today's show. Very much appreciated.
1: Yes, thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me.
0: One of the reasons I really wanted to have you on is I grew up in a big portion of my life in Southern Maryland, which is Leonardtown, Mechanicsville, St. Mary's County. And we had a huge Amish population there. And when Lizzie told a little bit of her story in the clubhouse room we were in together, she talked about growing up Amish. And I was like, ding, ding, I got to pay attention to this. It's a segment of society, even though I lived around them as a teenager, and then again, as an adult working in radio, I really don't know much about the entire Amish lifestyle. And it's one that... To be honest, I think a lot of people are very curious about.
1: Yes. And and I will just start say, uh, by saying that there is a there's a lot of different kinds of Amish. I think in general people kind of lump them together and think they're all the same kind of Amish. So there there's probably over 100 different kinds of Amish. And when I say different kinds, it, they're typically divided into small communities, and each community typically has their own bishop. So they tend to have their own set of rules. Like, you know, some of them are more modern. Some of them have, um, you know, you'll see um, solar panels on their houses. Other people have absolutely no uh, solar panels. um, And that's in the community I grew up in. We had no electricity at all, no access to... Um, hot water, um, no bathrooms in the house, only outhouses, and just um, my actual community is called Schwarzenegger Baramish, and that is the community that prides themselves on having the least modern conveniences, and they also consider themselves the true Amish that are left. Like, all the other Am- Amish communities have kind of adapted and changed and accepted some more modern conveniences, um, like chainsaws and um, things like that. And in my community, that is not allowed. Um, and it was in a small Amish community in... Um, southeastern Minnesota. And my grandpa started it in 1974. And he uh, moved, uh, him and his family moved from Ohio to Minnesota. And what he wanted to do is like preserve that original Amish, what he thought was Amish. Um, And he just, he had a couple family members move with him and a couple uh, different uh, families. And eventually the community grew to around 100 families
0: and I think that's about what it is right now. One of the things so I want to make, make clear is you know, I, I grew up around Amish part of my teenage years uh, part of my adult years I never had a bad experience and I, I'm not one yep. to cast aspersions I kind of find it to be a little bit of relief Lizzie when you say that there's these different sects I didn't know that and that mm-hmm. they have divisions of who's more Amish than who and almost reminds me mm-hmm. a lot of what happens in the other Christian faiths so uh, it's kind of refreshing to hear it's not just us
1: (laughs) yes and and thanks for bringing that up originally like way back um the Amish actually broke off of the Catholics so if you look at some of the Catholic uh, religious uh beliefs there's there's a little bit of similarities once in a while that you'll see come across um so yes it is just it's they're just like In general they're I say they're just like other uh people they have um different beliefs they have um yet you know they tend to be all lumped together being all called Amish um so so yeah so it's it's, I'm glad you did not have a bad experience Uh, many people don't and many many Amish communities are wonderful there's wonderful community members in there um I just uh, you know I wrote a book about my story and what I experienced, and it might not be what the general public um,
0: has. Unfortunately, it it is part of, and I know a little bit of Lizzie's story, not a whole lot, but unfortunately, it is part of American life, and not just American life around the Mm -hmm. world, where we have young women, young children being sexually abused, sexually molested, and it is. Hush, hush, and a lot of people don 't talk about it, and a lot of people suffer in silence, even they 're trying to recover and recuperate and rebuild their lives afterwards that 's one of the things that sets you apart from so many other people. You kind of really do talk about this
1: Yes, I started coming out and talking about it about three years ago um, and the re- it, the way it kind of started coming out is uh, me and a friend of mine decided that we, for whatever reason, had this idea that we'd really like um, to bring more women together that come from Amish or former plain communities and have a conference where we could have um, these women share their stories. And it really, in in doing that, I myself uh, found my voice, like how I could share my story and how it inspired people. And then from that first event that we had, um, we've had about six of them now, and I came home, and it took me about a week to recover from that, and I realized that I really have not ever um, thought about going to the police and sharing uh, my abuse that I suffered, and from there, i that's how I ended up going to, uh, to the police and, and sharing my story, and eventually, um, um, my one of my abusers got charged.
0: I'm so glad you did. And, you know, it's a deeply personal decision that people make that, and I'm not one of these people that says, I'm going to tell you what you should and shouldn't do because I didn't go through that. You know, I went through, I'm a Catholic kid, and I went through okay. school where I had kids that were sexually abused, and, and I knew nothing about it, and I never experienced that. I'm grateful I never did, but part of my experience in policing was, that we had to have conversations, and I'm going to use a general term, rape victims in a way that it was non-judgmental. I'm just here to, to get the facts and to help you and to make sure you feel safe. That's all I can do at this point. Everything you decide to do after that is up to you. And people make decisions that I didn't always agree with, but it's not my job to agree.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and thank you, Jay, for bringing that up. Um, That is something that I personally um, do now is I'm a um, volunteer with victim services, so I've taken some training, and, and I've learned that speaking to victims... It's all, you know, some of them choose to report their case and some of them don't for, for whatever reason. We're just here to, if, if somebody wants to talk and as as victim I'm saying, we as Victim Services here to help, and if they choose to report their case, we walk with them through that process. If they choose to not do that, that, that is their personal choice because you can't say just, you know, one one um, rule fits everybody because it doesn't. Some people are not ready to go report their case, and it took me personally almost thirty years to realize that I was ready to to do that. And I'm glad you
0: did. We're process. gonna take a short break. We're talking with Lizzie Hirschberger, a very amazing story about what she went through, her recovery process, what she does to help others and the book she wrote. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles that is our facebook page law enforcement today radio show be sure to click like and follow we'll see you there the show is brought to you in part by the change the culture podcast a podcast hosted by a female cop personal development Mindset Reset and Perspective Changing content are all featured in the Change of Culture podcast. Return conversation with Lizzie Hirschberger on the Law Enforcement Today show. Lizzie was a victim of sexual abuse and rape. She grew up Amish. She's gonna tell her story and part of her recovery process in addition to helping people And being an advocate for other women, she wrote a book called Behind Blue Curtains, a true crime memoir of an Amish woman's survival, escape, and pursuit of justice. Liz, I'm so glad you agreed to come on the show and tell your story. And I'll be honest with you. When we have guests like you on a show, it brings up emotions in me that makes me very angry about what they went through. So if I get... Stumbling, and I don't know what to say, or get really quiet. That's why I hate that these things happen. But I think that a lot of people really need to understand they do happen a lot in all segments of life. But for people that have gone through these things, that they can have a life they decide they want to have afterwards, in spite of. Is that a fair assessment for you?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes, it it is. Um, You know, many of us uh, who have went. Uh, through uh, abuse, uh, it, it's it's almost like it has to be a process in figuring out how am I going to live with this because it will never go away. You have to just figure out what you can do. And for some people, um, it is, you know... There's lots of different ways people deal with it, but my way is helping others has helped me heal uh, in more ways than I can probably explain. It, it's just so uh, comforting for me to uh, be able to be there for somebody else, and um, when they're walking through a difficult times, and it just it, it makes me uh, feel better in the process, and it makes me feel like I'm doing something um, for others. Yet in return, I get more, um, I feel more, um, I feel further from my abuse because um, I was able to help others, and I've just healed so much from it, and, and I, yeah. Helping others has helped me more than probably helping them.
0: There's an old, old saying. If you want to feel better about yourself, if you want to have a better life, dedicate your life to helping others. Uh, number one, it gets us out of our stinking thinking. And I don't say that as a horrible thing. I mean, Lizzie, I tend, when I think of the past, I tend to think of remorseful, resentful things about things that happen to me. When I think of the future, Mm -hmm. I worry about what's going to happen. When I live in today and I dedicate my thoughts to how I help those around me, I become less self-centered. I become less involved with me and I get some relief. So I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. When did this abuse start for you?
1: The abuse started unfortunately um, at a very young age. Um, I don't have a memory of not getting um, sexually abused. Um, So unfortunately, I believe it started for me as an infant. Now, to what extent, I don't know. Um, But because of all the therapies I've went through, um, one of the earliest memories I have of getting abused is that I went home and got my pacifier. So I know that I was extremely young. Um, But Thankfully, um, you know, as I got a little bit older, I mean, by the time I, I turned nine, the um, sexual abuse from my uncles quit. And that was because there was a traumatic family event. And they also both of them ended up getting married. And so I think that I had a period of time after that where I things were maybe, you know, pretty good. Um, my home life was never wonderful. Um, but then, Uh, As I got um, older, um, I um, ended up going through school first through eighth grade, and then it ended at eighth grade. And during that time, we never got any sex education. And I never, in any of those years, I didn't talk to anybody about um, what had happened to me um, as I was a a child. And I don't remember ever, um, like, even, you know... Obviously, I knew it was something shameful and something bad that that had happened or was happening, but I didn't know how to talk about it and you know you know makes me wonder why didn't I ever just say to my something to my mom or to my sister, but I just didn't. I always felt like um well, I was threatened, number one, that I should never um, share what is happening, and that it was always my fault. Like, I did something wrong to deserve that punishment. Um, so it just became this uh, thing that I was always hiding something. And But as I had turned into a teenager, I became very uh, rebellious and very, um, I was just very angry and hurt, and I didn't know how to talk about this. I didn't know how to explain, you know, what my feelings and things were, because that is one of the big, big things is you don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk to your family about uh, anything and like, you know, um, that you're sad. You're, you just don't talk about the things. You just suck it up, move on, and things will get better. But unfortunately for me, you know, that was just almost impossible because I'm carrying all this this um, stuff that happened to me as a child right into my teenage years and that's when things you know got even worse
0: you brought up a great point we didn't talk about these things i, I look i didn't talk about anything with anybody outside of the family and even inside the family inside we didn't talk about it. i grew up in a military family and no one wanted to be the person that upset the apple cart it didn't it didn't matter we, was my fault or not didn't matter mm-hmm. but so many of the children i worked with in police work that were victims of sexual abuse, physical abuse, whatever kind of torture, which a lot of it was, for lack of better words, they all felt like it was their fault. And it, it didn't matter if they were five years old, seven years old, mm-hmm. nine years old, mm-hmm. they felt like they did something wrong. And one of the hardest mm-hmm. things to get through these people is it's not your fault, you didn't choose this. You're, mm-hmm. You got an adult mm-hmm. or a teenager manipulating you to do things that, that you would never do, that, that don't even come into your mind at that age.
1: Yeah, and I really struggle with that. How some, and, and to me, I mean, it just makes me extremely upset. It, you know, when I think about the adults that took advantage and were able to plant that in my mind, and, and, and obviously it happens every day adults or young teenagers can plant this in the child that it is their fault and the guilt that you carry with yourself because you just think if you were to, you know, if I you know, if I hadn't been at that place at, you know, the wrong place at the wrong time, or uh, in my case, often it was, I didn't work fast enough. I didn't clean something well enough. You know, it's always all these different things. And then there's so much manipulation that goes into it. Also, like, um, if you do this for me, you will get uh, to listen to the radio. That was my, in my case, you know, they, they bribe these kids. And when you're so young as a child, oh my goodness, the, the mind games that they can play—it uh, just—it just makes me angry when I when I think about how adults. How how can you do that to a child? I I, just I, don't, don't, I totally I, don't. Understand.
0: I don't know, and it, it it's it's kind of <gasps> thinking that just doesn't logically make sense. And I, I gave up trying to figure that out a long time ago. <laughs> when we return, our conversation with Lizzie Hirschberger. She's going to talk more about her story, what she went through, uh, the the sexual abuse, the rapes what she did afterwards, the book she wrote, and more importantly, how she developed and built the life she has today. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We're gonna take a short break. We'll be right back. Ever miss an episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show? Never fear. You can sign up for our free email newsletter and get access to past podcast episodes. Plus, all subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign up area. That's letradioshow.com. We promise we will never spam you. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Lizzie Hirschberger on the Law enforcement Today Show, calling us from Minnesota. Uh, she grew up Amish and she was the victim of sexual abuse from a very young age and then raped multiple times as a teenager. She'll talk about that in a few moments. She does a lot of work to help other women who have been victims of sexual abuse. She read the book Behind Blue Curtains, a true crime memoir of an Amish woman's survival, escape, and pursuit of justice. For a winter break, Lizzie, we're talking about how people can do this to children. And it, it doesn't make sense logically. One of the things... That that I tell people all the time is, and and rightfully so, we worry about the boogeyman down the street, the guy in the car, hey, can you help me find my kitten, all this other stuff, I'll give you candy. Yes, those are threats. That is not the biggest threat to our children. The biggest threat to our children are relatives, family friends, and babysitters. These are the people that are most likely to sexually abuse your child. And whether people want to realize that or not, no one thinks it'll happen to them or their children, but it does, and it happens in every walk of life, and I'm sorry that it happened to you, and I'm sorry it still happens today.
1: Yes, thank you. That that, that brought up a great point. So When I became a parent, that was one of the, the things that I absolutely focused on, and I hadn't even healed or processed any of mine, but I knew that the people that are closest to my children and have the most access, that those are the most dangerous people. And, and, and I watch my kids, and I know you can't watch your kids 24 hours a day, but I was extremely cautious. And I did everything in my power not to let anything happen to my children. And I know some parents do the same thing, and things still happen Yes, but if you're just aware of it and aware of of so many things you can avoid, like you said, you you think that it's the boogeyman or or people like that that are going to, you know, after your kids, it is inside relatives and um, close, close um, uh, babysitters and and people like that that have access to your kids. So um, I always say I hope that my kids will find some sort of balance and as, as... um, I become a grandparent, that they will be a little bit more, because um, I was so extreme. Like, I hardly let my kids have sleepovers. I mean, for the people, it. I was just so cautious of everybody. Everybody, I thought, was a pedophile that I grew up with way too many of them, and, and I just didn't trust anyone. Um, so I hope my kids can go back to maybe a little bit more of a happy medium where there are lots of good people out there, and, and lots of um, people now, like for my kids, I feel like I could stop that generational curse because that's what I call it because it was happening to my parents and, you know, it just in my uncles and my relatives. So they repeat it the same pattern. I hope that I broke that pattern, um, that they now can go on and, Form much much healthier uh, families and and uh, child, uh, you know their children will will be in a different place.
0: We want people to have a, a good healthy, respect fearful things mm-hmm. and that most mm-hmm. of life is not fearful. Most of life is not bad and most mm-hmm. of the people that you encounter are are great people. Mm-hmm. I want my children to have that and they they have that. They're they're young ladies. They're thirty one and thirty two and they are phenomenally well adjusted, and uh, my, their mother did a great job. I can't really take credit, I try to, but that can be braggadocious, but you also talked earlier in the conversation that things stopped when you turn around nine or 10 uh, with the sexual abuse, but when you were a teenager, things took a drastic
1: turn. <laughs> Yes, so I'll start up. So I finished uh, school at eighth grade. Um, That is the rule um, that um, the Amish have. You don't go to any further education than eighth grade. And after that, in in the 70s and 80s, when I was growing up, um, all the Amish girls would either work at home then on their farms, or they would go out and help other families because you were not allowed to go out and have like a job at the grocery store or um, at a local factory. So I started working, um, for other families. And one of the families, unfortunately, that I started working for were, um, friends of my parents. Um, I remembered them, um, before they had gotten married and they were actually, both of them were relatives of, um, of my parents. And, um, so they sort of ha- got married, started having kids and then they, they moved, to a uh, place not far from my parents and they were working for a non-Amish farmer, meaning they did chores and milked cows for them. And in return, they lived whatever rent free or whatever there. So they asked me to come over and stay with them. And it was um, something where we call a mod. So I would be required to, you know, whatever the husband and wife told me, um, I did. I either watched, they had four little children by then. I watched the the kids um morning or evening while the wife went in the barn, um which was a little bit up the road, and milked cows or vice versa. The wife would stay home often in the evening she would stay home because she would put the kids to bed then, and things like that while I helped the husband um um milk cows and milking cows was done with um there was electric in the barn. So it was done with milkers and, and, you know, there's a radio and, and things like that. And, you know, the thing was, he was, I mean, I grew up with him. I knew who he was. Um, but what happened is he started the whole um, um, grooming process and it was over a period of about six months and I turned um, 14. And um, as I was there, you know, it, it just, it got to the point where um, I felt like he was my only friend because he had really turned it around. Like really turned my parents against me and remember my um, whole experience as a child already, I had been abused. So I was suffering from all, all just kinds of things. And uh, and so eventually I thought they were my only, both of them were my only friends. And, and what he did is he eventually, yeah, he raped me. He um, made it sounded like um, it was something that, um, you know, that was basically okay. I mean, it it was something that I wasn't supposed to talk about, but it was okay. And um, I remember the um, just, you know, the, the night that it happened, you know, immediately afterwards, I, again, blame myself. I was like, well, why didn't I leave the barn just a little bit earlier? Then I would have been out of the barn, you know, all these different things. And then it um, became this um, Stockholm Syndrome, if some people know about that. Um, it is this process that, um, like I said, he um, seemed like he was, you know, my friend, and, you know, I could talk to him about anything, and in this whole time, his wife, the same thing, it's just that. I didn't talk to his wife. And eventually what happened is a couple of people, adults in the community, one Amish and one non-Amish, did basically walk in, in the barn and seen there was something going on, something, say seen. They, there was whatever they seen. Obviously, there's, he was a married man with four children and I was the hired girl. They seen something. None of those people, to my knowledge, came forward. But when the Amish guy happened to see, uh, came in one morning early to use the telephone, um, that made my abuser uh, quickly go in front of the Amish church and confess. And when you go in front of the church and confess, you're going to get, basically receive less of a punishment, and it made him look better if he confessed to having inappropriate contact with me. Now, to this day, I don't know what he confessed to, because I was not a community member. He was. So he confessed to something, obviously, and then my parents said I don't, you know, I don't need to go work for them anymore.
0: How old were you when this was going on?
1: 14, I was 14 years old.
0: People need to understand that there is, and I'm not an expert in the laws in every state, but there's no consent with an adult Mm -hmm. and a 14 year old. It's impossible. It's always rape, I'll repeat that. Mm -hmm. When an adult, Mm -hmm has forcible sex, whether it be physical force or enticement or whatever with a 14-year-old, it is always, always rape. This is a Law Enforcement Today Show. We're talking with Lizzie Hirschberger. We're going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to talk about her pursuit of justice, her book, her life afterwards, and so much more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? you have any suggestions yes we do so we decided to start our own podcast network on law enforcement today that's right you can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app go to letradioshow.com click the be heard tab and there you'll find the let podcast network we'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more again to find the law enforcement today podcast network Go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. Returning to our conversation with Lizzie Hirschberger, She's calling us from Minnesota. She was sexually abused in the Amish community as a child and was raped as a teenager and she's also authored the book behind the blue curtains a true crime memoir of an amish woman's survival escape and pursuit of justice lizzie i want to thank you so much for being guest on the show and talking about an extremely difficult subject I, i'll be honest i have no idea how to have these conversations so i get really quiet and you're doing a great job telling the stories without getting knee deep in the weeds of the trauma One of the things you said earlier is you wound up going to a conference as an adult with other women, and that's when you realized you needed to do something, and you began a pursuit of getting justice for your rapist.
1: Yes. I think it was the process, multiple things, but the process of sharing my story in front of a room of women that um, later came up to me and were... uh, you know, would, would say things like, well, that happened to me, or they could empathize with me and say that empathy. Right. Um, so I came home from that and, um, I ended up talking, I mean, there's a whole process, but I ended up talking with some other people, um, like my sister. And at the same time I ended up being um, a school board member. And, uh, unfortunately there was a local incident, um, that that really put me into this mindset of that I had to do something and if I didn't report it I felt like it would he would most likely he would reoffend or had reoffended um and i actually didn't think that i would be able to to have there would be no charges because of, it had almost been 30 years later but in minnesota like you said all every every place has different laws but in minnesota yes a 14 year old cannot consent to a uh, 28 year old um so it was rape and it was also they could charge him because he admitted to being my employer because I was there working for them. So, under that law is how they could charge him. And um, unfortunately, the laws in 1989 um, had to be used to charge him. So, he initially was charged with quite a few counts, but then he made a plea offer. And the plea offer was he got, um, yeah, like 45 days in jail and 10 years of probation, which is nothing. Um, But the point, I think, was made in the Amish community that no matter how many years ago your crime was, you can be charged with that, and that it was wrong. Because remember, the entire time, the Amish community called this an extramarital affair. They blamed me for enticing a married man to this kind of activity. And that ultimately is still what some people believe, but it is something that some people um, who have educated themselves and are a little bit more aware is no, like you said, you cannot consent. It was not, number one, it wasn't appropriate anyways, because he was a married man. So it is something that we have really, I think the community in general has really um some some people in the community have really had their eyes opened and um there there's um unfortunately there's uh, cases going on right now in the community but they are they're a lot more aware that you can come forward and um they're very um they're very cautious i think now um i wish i could say that you know there's no abuse or anything happening um, but we know it still is, but We know we know for certain it.
0: that it still happens, and it's not just in that community yeah. it's it's everywhere and everywhere mm-hmm. i I want to say this anyone that can think that a fourteen year old fourteen when I was fourteen, you know I was very much a child, and I may have had a, a beginnings of a grown man's body, but I was very much a child, and I thought of childish things and I was into models and everything else it mm-hmm. This was not something that was on my radar. So people think that that somehow or another a fourteen year old entices someone to to rape. That is just not physically possible. And I, I don't know how to get through to people. I just don't. And uh, when people present themselves that way, I don't even talk to them because it's not worth my effort. You, you can't you can't have a conversation logically with someone who doesn't use logic. It just it's like administering vaccine to someone who's already dead. It doesn't work you know what i'm saying uh, Yes. so i, 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 I applaud bringing- you for sure. for having the courage to to bring charges against them because at 30 years mm-hmm. since it occurred that's tough and at mm-hmm. 14 when this occurred and in an amish closed society that'd be really tough
1: mm-hmm. yes um and thanks for bringing that up i think um the fact that they one of the things that the reason they get charge him because i had um kept a diary So in the diary, I made these distinct marks in there. So that's how they could also count off, and we estimated um, how many times it was. And it was something that I am um, really thankful that I went through. And uh, probably the reason I'm mostly uh, grateful that I went through the process is because I want other women to know that if... Something happened to them years and years and years ago. You don't, if you want to go through the legal process, you might be able to, because sometimes I think there's so many um, statute limitations and laws like that. But I did it and I um, was able to have him charged, and he um, has to, um, you know, now deal with the consequences of what he did years ago. And uh, it has received, you know, it's been received. You know, still in the Amish community, that he should never have gotten punished for a crime he committed that many years ago because he was punished in the Amish church.
0: Look, I'm an old-fashioned. Um, I'm an old-fashioned man. I'm an old-fashioned father. If I found out something happened to my daughters when they're 14 and they're now 31, you would never see a wrath of vengeance in in the movies. You know, the the movies you see were like, yeah, I'm gonna come after you, that guy. That would be me. So. I, I, I applaud everything you've done, but what I find really inspiring, to be totally honest with you, is so many people that go through horrible things like this, Lizzie, self-destruct. There must have come a point where you decided, I need to do things to build the kind of life I wanna have for me and my family. And that's a process I'm sure that's still ongoing for you. But what was the impetus for you to to make the decision, look, I'm gonna do things differently?
1: I think it was my children. I really think it was my children. When I started having kids, I knew I wanted them to have a different life than what I did. And I think that's really where I maybe unconsciously was aware of doing it um, years ago. But as you said, it is still a daily thing that I do. And now, you know, I have um, my, um, you know, kids are getting older and I can just, you know, I can really... um, lead with it by example, I guess, is, is for others to see that, yes, bad things happen to me, but I don't have to sit here and, like you said, self-destruct or, or in a pity party, you know, feeling sorry for myself. I am trying to help others and inspire others. Whoever, you know, whatever walk they've, they've went through, I'm here to help um, if they, they want some help. And I, I just had to lead by example now.
0: And you wrote a book called Behind Blue Curtains, a true crime memoir of an Amish woman's survival escape and pursuit of justice. Was that kind of therapeutic for you when you wrote that book?
1: Yes, Jay, it was. It was very therapeutic and I say I I wrote so many pages that never made it in the book, but it but it was just so helpful. It was so like I could put every piece everything together and you know, I, thankfully, I had um, Molly um, Eakin that came in and helped me really uh, put it in a, you know, great form where um, it's easy to read. And we wanted to keep it really simple. Um, it's not graphic, but it, it gets the reader to still see what happened. And we are, um, yeah, really glad. Um, Nasset Press uh, uh, published it. And um, I am very um, excited for where the book is going.
0: I would probably have tear soaked pages writing something like that if it was my life, my story, but I get the therapeutic part of it, the cathartic part of it. Where can people get more information about your book?
1: Um, go to lifebehindbluecurtains.com. That's my website. And they can go on Amazon and just Google uh, Behind Blue Curtains and they will find it. It is um, also, they can look me up on Facebook, Twitter, you know, all those Instagram social media links
0: and you are doing a lot of other public speaking a lot of other things as well right
1: i am i am i'm the co-founder of voices of hope i founded that with um, my friend dina schrock and we do conferences um, for women twice a year um right now and yes i do speaking engagements i um do uh, volunteer with victim services and just trying to be out there and helping wherever i wherever i can um you know, just, just trying to bring a voice to uh, people that haven't found their voice yet.
0: Check her out online, lifebehindbluecurtains.com. Lizzie, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated.
1: Yes, thank you, Jay, for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. And if you're able, leave an honest review and or rating. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.